Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your hosts Liam and Bill. Welcome Bill, you must be over the moon with your girls making it into the, their second straight AFLW grand final. Wouldn't say over the moon, a bit annoyed at the moment because uh, full disclosure to our listeners, we just recorded about a 40 minute podcast that unfortunately did not actually <laughs> record. But uh, as you said, yes, I am over the moon about the fact that the Lions are into our second successive grand final. A great achievement for the girls and looking forward to watching them get the win on Saturday. So it all started off in the first game of the round where they managed to get over the Giants. Um, I tipped the Giants in that game, so I missed that one. But they got over them in emphatic fashion in the end, 10-4-64 to 3-6-24. Yeah, so the girls obviously came into that game knowing that they needed the win and, and really needed a big win to get their percentage up above Melbourne's. And they did that, put, I think it was six goals on in the first quarter and, and ended up with 10 for the game uh, with a 40-point win over the Giants. Very impressive. We saw uh, four goals from Sabrina frederick Traub and three goals to to Wushner. Um, Wushner was really a breakout this year. Yeah, Wushner's been really consistent. Uh, she's managed to find the goals pretty much every game, and uh, I think she's probably our leading goalkeeper of the season. Uh, frederick Traub would be probably close behind her there. And yeah, they both had great performances on, on that night, and uh, as I said, have both done really well throughout the season. I expect they'll both be getting all Australian honours at the end of the year. Would you say at this stage, uh, frederick Traub is the best key forward going around? Yeah, absolutely, I would. Um, I think that she's uh, probably, I think if we looked at the two seasons, I think she'd be leading the goal kicking. I'm not quite certain on that. I haven't looked at the stats, but she's put impressive performances up across both seasons and just really, especially this year, coming to her own, um, real presence out on the field and doing the little things, little tap-ons, using the body well in the Ford 50, taking contestant marks and kicking goals. So she's really doing it all at the moment. And we should spend a bit of time giving some justice to the Giants, who everyone tipped for the spoon this year, and they were that close to getting into the grand final. So really big ups from them. Um, where did you see the improvement coming? Yeah, so the Giants found themselves in the same position as the Lions. Uh, going into this game, a win would put them in contention for that grand final, um, which is very impressive for them, considering, as you said, most people tip them for the spoon. And they had a few players come in uh, this season. So Gum was one of them and Staunton another. Um, two girls who are a bit on the older side, over 30, I think, both of them, and uh, they've both done really well uh, to add to the Giants' depth and improve them as a side this season. We also saw Eva and Fruga, if that's how you pronounce it, really step up and be sort of top of the competition, um, really leading GWS from the front. And um, yeah, GWS would be really happy with their with their sort of end of the year and um, how they performed overall. And it'll be interesting to see coming into the next draft period whether we see more people look for these 36, 34-year-old older players coming into the team like GWS did because those uh, older players can uh, make a really big impact in this sort of a competition that's very young. Moving on to the second game and moving from some teams that have got a lot to be excited about to maybe one that's a bit disappointed at this point in time is uh, the Carlton Blues who went down to the Fremantle Dockers by 11 points and found themselves uh, quote-unquote winning the wooden spoon. Probably one of the only things they won all year. Um, very disappointing year for the Blues. Um, and they put 48 on the board in this game, which was their highest score of the year, as we outlined a little bit last week that they were struggling to score. And it just wasn't enough in the free-flowing game, Frio having too much firepower. A bit surprising to see the Blues uh, struggle to kick scores this season. We were quite high on their forward line at the start of the year, obviously having Taylor Harris come in. And then last year's leading goal kicker, Darcy Vesico, we thought having those two up forward would you know, result in them kicking a few high scores, but it didn't really pan out that way. 
Yeah, Vesco had a bit of a disappointing year. Um, five touches and one goal in this game, which was pretty standard for her throughout the year. Even in a um, Coleman year last year, we saw her getting around seven touches a game. So she really just has never been able to find the ball enough for mine for a marquee player. She needs to get herself more involved in the game, whether that's a coaching decision to sometimes throw her higher up the ground or get her involved more. Um, I really just need to see her touching touching the pill. On the flip side, it's a good finish to the year for Fremantle, getting that win, uh, avoiding the spoon. And uh, there's been a few players who improved for them this year. Liam, who do you see as some of the big movers for Fremantle? I think Donnellan's ability to both kick goals and get touches really stood out as somebody who can really impact the scoreboard for them. And she was really exciting. Um, and I just think Freo, having a few injuries um, and a few debutants, especially up forward, they were able to get a few wins on the board, which I'm sure they would have been happy with. So the third game in the round was an absolute thriller. The Dogs, 33, got up in the end over the Dees, 31. Yeah, last um, last ditch goal from uh, Lachlan, who's becoming a bit of a cult hero down there at the Dogs. Obviously kicked seven goals the other week and kicked the match winner in this one to send them into the grand final. So she's definitely been one of their most important players this year. Yeah, great result for the Dogs and great result for Lions. Uh, we were relying on that game to go that way and a very clutch goal there at the end by Lachlan put us into the grand final. So for anyone who didn't keep up with this game, it was sort of a grand final preliminary, um, which we saw in this match where the winner was guaranteed a grand final spot. Um, And what we saw there was the dogs sort of pulling themselves over the line, which was really exciting to see. Uh, Where did you see the game being won? Uh, As with every week, the midfield battle was really important. Um, And we highlighted, I think, pregame, a key matchup there, and that was Emma Kearney against Daisy Pearce. Um, Not really sure where they went head-to-head as such, but... Emma Kearney probably shaded her a bit in the end. 20 touches in a goal compared to Daisy Pierce's 17 touches. Yeah, this was my sort of point of difference in the game that I mentioned last week that I thought Kearney was the type of player to really stand up in this match. And she was really hard around the contest towards the close of the match and really important. Um, she's the sort of player I really wouldn't be surprised at all if she comes away with a, with a lot of votes in that final year MVP, um, Brownlow equivalent voting. Last game of the round, we saw Collingwood, a very impressive performance, 53, beating the Crows, 32. So this was the game that finally put Brisbane over into the grand final. Um, What Brisbane needed was both the Ds to lose and the Crows to lose. And Collingwood, who really didn't have a lot to play for, really came out and um, impressed everyone, beating uh, the Crows and preventing them from getting into the grand final. Yeah, felt a bit dirty cheering on the uh, Pies, uh... We had our Supercoach Draft uh, League draft on the Sunday in the morning there, and as soon as that finished, we turned the TV on to watch what was going on. Uh, Turned it on to find the Crows up by about 10 points, and then from there on, it was all Collingwood. Yeah, you must have been a good luck charm or something. So end of the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter was really all Collingwood, one-way traffic. Um, Large part of that was that uh, Aaron Phillips really didn't seem to be fully fit. What do you think about that? Yeah, very evident that she wasn't fully fit when uh, she took a, a set shot from about 40 metres out, 35, 40 metres out, and opted to kick on her opposite foot um, and then didn't really make the distance with that kick, sprayed it a bit. Um, but just the fact that she's gone with the opposite foot from that sort of distance is probably a very good indicator that she's not feeling too good with her, I think it's right foot there. Uh, I think it's the quad that's really still uh, still giving her hassle. And I think that of all the people in the competition, if we're going to pick someone who's really comfortable taking a set shot from 40 metres, you'd think that Phillips is the one that would nail it more often than not. And as you said, she didn't go close in that effort, not even kicking it with her dominant foot. So really not, not right there. Still managed to get 17 touches, but not her damaging best. And it was really one of the factors leading to the loss. 
One of the most uh, influential players in this game for the Pies was Jasmine Garner. She picked up 16 touches and managed to kick three goals. A very impressive performance from her. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's something that the Collingwood uh, football team has been able to put together in the second half of the year, which is having individuals up forward kick bags of two or three goals. Earlier in the year, they were really struggling to put that sort of a score and that sort of an impact from one forward um, throughout a game. Um, but to the back end of the year, we've seen Mo Hope kick bags and we've seen Garner kick bags and Bernardi. So they were really able to turn it around in the second half of the year, which was um, impressive and something that Collingwood can really build on going into 2019. So looking forward in the women's comp, we've got obviously the AFLW Grand Final coming up this weekend, Dogs versus Lions. It's going to be on Icon Park, and the time has recently shifted forward. I think it's come from about 1 p.m. to closer to midday so that Lions supporters can hopefully double up and get to both the AFLW Grand Final and the Round 1 game against St. Kilda. So coming from our tipping, um, last week I think you got the tip on me, Brisbane versus GWS, but I got the tip back with dogs over the D so we didn't have any movement there and you're still one tip up going into the final game yeah enjoying a one tip lead as I have for most of the season and I think that'll continue into the grand final uh, locking in a great tip here with the Lions I think can get it done pretty easily so we're in a Frederick job to start I'm gonna go against you I've been really hot in the dogs all year and our first podcast on the women's I tipped them to make the granny with the D's which turned out to be a pretty good tip pretty much playing in uh, one of the best games of the year um, last week um, I'm definitely going to go with the Dogs. Having it down here in Melbourne might be a factor for them. Um, being at Icon Park, the game, I originally thought it was going to be over at Witten Oval, but down at Icon Park, um, it'll be interesting to see if the if the big crowd for the Dogs over overshadows the Brisbane crowd or not might be a factor. Um, but another factor in this game is whether superstar Katie Brennan will be taking the field. Yeah, so at the moment it seems like she won't. Uh, she's copped a reprimand, her second of the season, for a sling tackle, and it's a bit of a two strikes when you're out system in the AFLW, so she has received her second reprimand and at this point in time is suspended. Um, I believe they've had an appeal and that has failed, so at this point it does seem like she is not going to be taken to the field. Yeah, um, so sling tackle, dangerous sling tackle was was uh, what we saw and um, first, firstly when I saw the... Um, the ban come down, I thought maybe we might see a bit of a Trent Cotchen superstar. Everyone wants them to play in the grand final. They'll find a way to get her off, but um, that wasn't the case. Is this a, a Richmond thing, a Cotchen thing? Is it something that we won't see happen um, in the future for either the men's or the women's, do you think? Yeah, so watching that Cotchen incident uh, last year before the grand final, in my eyes, it was very evident that she sh- he should have been suspended um, and sort of got off due to the nature of being you know, one of the stars of the competition and obviously captain of the footy club and we find ourselves in a bit of a similar situation here Katie Brennan one of the stars of the AFLW competition and captain of the Bulldogs um, unfortunately a bit of a different scenario where she's found herself uh, triggering a, a second reprimand and then the strike system has put her out so a bit harder to argue and to get her off she didn't really have the option of like where Copchin just seemed to have no case to answer to because I don't know because AFL <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're very right there where Cotchen's case was thrown out with no, no case to answer, but for when Katie Brennan was given the initial suspension and then they had to try and overturn it, it was always going to be difficult. Um, but there is still the option of the dogs taking this to, to the AFL Appeals Board. Do you think that it'll end up going there? Um, yeah, at this stage, obviously, you know, the grand final, I would be very surprised if they don't take to the Appeals Board. Um, they really have nothing to lose, I think, and I expect to see that appeal go through. Whether or not she gets off is a different case. Um, although, as I said, I was a bit surprised that uh, she wasn't initially let off in a sort of Cochin type scenario. So wouldn't be too surprised to see them appeal that decision and have it overturned. 
if they do take it to the appeals board, do you see that as a sign of the dogs saying that they're they're scared they're going to lose to Brisbane and they need Katie Brennan? I don't think there's any doubt that the dogs are scared of Brisbane. You know, we're coming for them, we're coming for them hard and uh, definitely going to get the win in that game. But no, I think it's just common sense. Um, obviously, you know, you don't really have a lot to lose. Maybe she gets suspended for, for one game next year. But, you know, when, when you're comparing that to a grand final and, and potential first premiership in the women's comp for the doggies, um, you know, pretty easy decision. I imagine they'll appeal that. And I think the major thing of this game, whether Brennan plays or not, is that these two teams have shown throughout the year that they're very proficient at moving the ball from the middle of the ground quickly up into the forward line. Um, do you think that's where the game will be won and lost? Which team is able to play that style that they like um, to a better sort of percentage? Yeah, the midfield's obviously going to be a very important battle. Um, the dogs are very strong through the middle and the Lions are strong through the middle as well, although potentially not as strong as the dogs. So the Lions do tend to uh, rely a bit on their very strong defense and then rely on their very good quality forwards to get the score on the board so they tend to not necessarily lose most weeks but they tend to at least break even in the middle and then uh, as i said rely on their stars at either end so it'll be very interesting to watch what happens in that game uh before we leave the aflw we'll make a bit of a tip not we've made the winners but let's tip a best on ground for the grand final norm smith equivalent for the game uh who are you going with well, I'm going for a Lions win, so I'm going for a Lions player here, and I'm going to say that Sabrina frederick Trobe is going to dominate. Uh, I think she's going to take a few important contested marks, kick a few important goals, and yeah, like tap off a really good season for her with a premiership. I think it's going to be Ellie Blackburn for me. I think she's uh, a bit of an excitement machine, and I think that she might step up in this match and bring it home for the dogs. All right, we'll move now to the men's side of the comp, and there's a bit of AFL news that's come out recently. Uh, Probably the first cab off the rank is that Dangerfield seems to be a bit of a chance to playing in round one. Yeah, so anyone who missed that news in the final JLT match at quarter time after collecting 100 possessions already at quarter time, Dangerfield limped off with a bit of a hammy issue, which they said was a, a very minor tear in the, in the scan, and they thought that he was touch and go for round one, but um, all signs point to him maybe lining up. Do you think he'll play throughout the middle and be at his dangerous bursting best, or will he be uh, full forward Dangerfield on the day? Yeah, so provided that Gary Ablett lines up as well, I'm expecting to see, not only this game, but throughout the season, them just rotating, you know, through the middle and, and through the forward line. And they're both very dangerous in both those positions. Um, I expect them to both rack up the touches and, and rack up the goals as well. Staying on the injury front, um, we have heard that Marcus Adams from the Bulldogs has hurt his ankle and will require at least three months out of the game for that. Really unfortunate news for the Dogs. who have had a bit of bad luck recently with their key position defenders. A uh, few injuries down there. and Yeah, that's not really the news that they wanted to hear at this point in time. Yeah, Dale Morris being the other one that we heard or missed till the middle of the year uh, with that slight, um, I think it was a slight tear in his ACL or medial cruciate ligament. One of the two, but it wasn't a full full rupture, just a small tear. So that's going to be middle of the year for him as well. And uh, we saw last year their key position stocks sort of were a bit decimated, but they've brought in um, Trengo from Port Adelaide, who was sort of playing throughout the JLT, that sort of ruck defender rotating through the through the two. We know that Bevo hates Ruckman and he plays other people there, so sort of given a bit of that work to Trengo, but maybe he'll have to stay home at defence. Yeah, I expect to see Trengo down there in the back line, I think, at least for the, the foreseeable future. He'll be down there and playing a role in that back line. Another thing that came out during the week is Gary Lyon, I think it was, came out and said that he was pretty confident that next year they'll be bringing in the wild card for the finals. So the teams around the eight marks, so like seven, eight, nine, and ten, I think it was, will be playing off in a bye week before the finals, a special wild card uh, matchup to see who will be getting those final few spots in the top eight. 
Yeah, not sure where Gary's getting his information from. And uh, to be honest, I hope this is not true. I'm, I tend to be, as you probably know by now, I get a bit grumpy when we talk about rule changes and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but um, this one just really just doesn't make much sense to me. You know, you, you earn your spot in the eight by finishing in the top eight. You don't earn your spot in the eight by winning one game at the end of the season or something along those lines. Yeah, I definitely don't want to see something like you got a team in uh, in eighth spot who you know tanks the second last round because there's no way they can get out of this wild card situation or anything like that. Um, you don't want to see sort of the tenth place team end up versing the the fifth place team, and that tenth uh, place team has played an extra match in that bye to the other one who's coming fresh, and we see hundred twenty point uh, loss in that first round. More of that. Uh, Essendon versus Sydney in the first round of last year, anything like that? Yeah, obviously there's a you know sort of avenue here from AFL revenue, but in terms of actually integrity of the game and, and improving the spectacle of the game and all that, I don't really see how this is an improvement in any way. So something that I hope sort of stays in the realm of fantasy. Something else that came out this week is we've had a re- remodel of all of the team songs. Yeah, I can't say that I've heard any of them yet. Um, obviously, I'll hear the new Lions song, this Saturday and that'll be um, you know very enjoyable but um, yeah I, I don't really care <laughs> yeah uh, I know I listened to the Saints one and I'm pretty sure it was the exact same I couldn't see see any changes um, but we have heard that some clubs have switched around a few words I know Tigers uh, hopefully will be hearing that song on uh, Thursday night but um, they changed from risking head and uh, risking head and skin to risking head and shin yeah we talked about this before I always thought it was risking head and limb so I was wrong you know, in both <laughs> just, accounts. Just um, completely wrong. Yeah, with the old one and the new one. But, I mean, limb makes more sense to me than either shin or skin. So Well, yeah, I would say risking the skin is slightly better than the shin, which is better than the limb. So, I mean, you don't really risk your... Well, you get some cuts and stuff. Is that risking skin? I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah I, or, yeah, I thought it was limb. So, <laughs> uh, looking forward to hearing that song. I imagine we'll hear that song on Thursday night so we can... Listen closely. Speaking of, we'll move on to the uh, round one matches and make a few make a few tips for you for all of the um, upcoming games from round one. Um, first of all, we do have the Tigers and the Blues. Uh, you think the Tigers will get up? Yeah, easy tip. You know, you've got the reigning premiers versus one of the wooden spoon favourites um, for the first game of the season, which is a little bit disappointing to be honest. But very easy tip, and I imagine the Tigers will be unfairly premiership flag to a very big victory on, on Thursday night. Yeah, and we know they love getting into Carlton, which are rivals, and if they're unfurling the flag and everyone probably filling up the MCG down there with the new, what, record 700,000 members that they've got rolling out, something like that. Yeah, like 700 million or something. But yeah, I think they've cracked the 90,000 mark and steadily climbing still. So um, interesting to see just how many Tigers bandwagon supporters come out um, this season and, and join the... Uh, Join the Tigers Army. And just as a little side note, I think we'll see a few Carlton JLT supporters come out. So they won both their JLT games. I'm sure a few Carlton supporters will get down thinking that they might have a sneaky chance and they do not. <laughs> I'll move on to the second game now. Crows versus the Dons and uh, could be a very exciting one. Um, I'm actually going for an upset on my tip here. I think the Dons might get this one done. Really? I'm definitely going with the Crows. I think that they're going to come out with a lot to prove. I know they're missing Tex and uh, a few other players from that um, lineup that's probably best 22, but I really think the Crows are are looking good this year with that new look midfield with Bryce Gibbs, and I expect them to get the win. Yeah, so full disclosure for everyone, I just saw that Liam had tipped the Crows, so I figured I'd tip the the Dons there. But there is a few reasons why I could see it happening. Um, The Crows obviously playing in that grand final means they're a few weeks behind where the Dons will be in their training schedule, and we all know that the Dons like to shoot out of the blocks um, very early in the season and get the wins on the board, as they have done 
quite recently in a few years. So I think the Dons maybe could get the jump on them, kick a few goals early and, and win that game. Uh, you know, close game, but I could see the Dons winning and I've tipped them. Next game, we've got the uh, Science of Footy showdown, the Lions versus the Saints. We're both tipping the Saints here, I assume. Easiest tip of the week. Uh, Lions are going to get up and <laughs> I think they're going to make it look pretty easy too. Really? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm definite for the Saints here. I think we love playing at Etihad Stadium and hopefully we can get a big win in that first game. Um, it's quite funny that the first year we're doing the Science Footy podcast, we've got both our teams lining up against each other round one and we've actually got both of our Supercoach Draft League uh, teams versing each other in round one as well. So really big week for us over at the Science of Footy. Yeah, I'm expecting three wins there. Um, <laughs> draft league win, Saints over, sorry, Lions over the Saints, and uh, Lions women's to get that premiership. So, looking forward to a really exciting Saturday where I get to watch uh, my t- both my teams get up. Moving on to the next game, we've got Power and the Dockers. Who do you like in that one? It's probably one of the easier tips, I think, and I think we're both tipping the Power. Yeah, definitely the power here. I am really excited to watch the Rocky v. Fife show where I think we all saw Fife was back in the JLT games to his best and um, I think everyone sort of forgets how good Rocky is at full flight and how good he'll be on the day. But yeah, I definitely think power will be too strong. All right, moving on. We have a bit of a cripple fight up next. We've got the Suns <laughs> versus North Melbourne. Uh, yeah, probably one of the closest and hardest to tip matches for the round, I think. I'm going to go with the Suns in this one uh, up at Kazali Stadium in Cairns, which I've actually been to watch one of their games before against Richmond. Um, really cool stadium to watch the footy. They've got sort of the grandstand on half of it and the, the sort of grassy hill that you can watch on on the other side. And um, I saw Richmond go down to um, the Suns a couple of times there in upsets. So they definitely play the ground well, and that might be the difference. Yeah, I've also gone with the Suns. Um... Stewie Jew, new coach, uh, new look midfield. Obviously, Gary Ablett's a big loss, but a few players looking to step up there. And I think they've just got a bit more excitement around them at the moment than North do. So I've gone with the Suns. Next game, we've got another really close affair, which is Collingwood taking on Hawthorne at the MCG. I've sort of locked myself into this tip because I predicted that uh, the Pies would lose their first six games and then round seven, Buckley curse, losing to the Lions and getting sacked. So, uh, yeah, I've obviously got to tip the Hawks here. I'm actually going to go with the Pies, and I really don't like it. Uh, I find this game really hard to tip. I don't like tipping the Pies, and I don't like my tip at all, but I'm tipping the Pies. Uh, next game I'm really excited for is the Giants versus the Dogs, and it just should be a really good matchup, I think. Yeah, they've had some really close encounters over the last few years. Obviously, that preliminary final to put the Dogs into the grand final is a really good recent one, and um, Dogs haven't minded traveling over to Sydney to play. The Giants, I think this one's at uh, University Stadium, though. Yeah, I think that's the case, but um, I'm definitely going with the Giants as well. I think they're going to put a lot of teams to the sword this year and um, really come out with a point to prove. Second last game of the round, uh, I've gone with another upset here. I've said that the Demons are going to beat the Cats, although it, I think it's an upset, but I'm pretty sure the Demons are, are leading the betting at the moment. Yeah, last I checked, it was about 187 to 195 or so, so really close betting, but I was surprised to see Demons up as well, but... Maybe now that the news that Dangerfield's going to play comes back, maybe some money flows back in for the Cats. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with the Cats in this one. Um, if Dangerfield plays, that is, I really think that they're going to get over the line because Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood, uh, I just can't tip against that before I see it. And last game of the round, we've got over in Perth, the Eagles taking on the Swans. Um, for me, this is a pretty easy one. I think that the Swans, just too much talent in that team. Um, they'll get the job done. 
Yeah, typically we would have said Eagles over in Perth is a really hard, really hard test. But um, as you said, Swans really good lineup and going zero six last year. I can't see them starting like that again. They're definitely going to come out breathing some fire, and I expect them to win this game. So as we mentioned in a previous podcast, uh, we floated the idea of trying to build a predictive model to see how it can go in tipping and see whether it can beat both us and the bookies, hopefully. But uh, we've sort of, that's still a work in progress at the moment. We're still loading in a lot of the data. It's, it's quite a lengthy process, but we do have uh, a working model at this point in time and it's made some tips for the first round uh, and it, it's sort of just gone along with the bookies, to be honest. Uh, at the moment, it's tipped the Tigers, Crows, Saints, Power, Suns, Hawks, Giants, Cats, and Swans. So it's gone with the favourites in every single game except for the Cats-Demons game. It says that the Cats are going to get up. I don't mind those tips. It looks pretty good. So for everyone at home, what we've done is we've taken stats from previous games and looked at how winning those statistical categories correlated to winning the game. So did the teams that have a more experienced list win the games more often? Did the teams that previously had better contested possession numbers um, really win those games more? Did previous seasons' win counts correlate well with the current match in the new season of those two teams head-to-head? Those sort of things. And we sort of ran statistical models to see what are those categories really correlated well with winning games. So as I mentioned, uh, we're still loading some data into that. It's a pretty lengthy process and trying to find a few variables that we can add in. But pulled out a few now that are pretty unsurprising that are correlated with wins. Obviously, wins the year before. Uh, average games of experience on the list is coming in pretty important. Contested possessions seem to be quite important. And home ground advantage obviously playing a factor there too. So um, that, that'll develop and improve as we go on and, and get more data in and get some 2018 data into that system. But at the moment, it's predicting... Uh, a few games quite closely. The closest one was Suns versus North Melbourne. Yeah, so that was pretty much at the 50-50 mark. It predicted, I'm pretty sure, with a 50.025% chance of Gold Coast winning or something. So it's pretty much saying that's a flip of the coin match. A um, few categories going the uh, um, Suns way. Like I think there was a very slight difference in game average games played in the list. So uh, Suns having a slightly um, better age bracket for that. And we see... That comes from players like Thomas and Swallow and Gibson and Mullet coming out of this north side. They're saying that that might leave them at a bit of a deficit um, in the possibilities of them winning, but that was really a 50-50 game. Yeah, so very interested to see how that goes over the season. Obviously, we'll see how it goes in round one against us, and uh, over the season, we're expecting that model to improve as we add more data into it and probably get more and more accurate. Um, be interesting to see whether it can pull away from us in a tipping competition as we move into the later stages of 2018 season. Yeah, really can't wait to see, considering the amount of hours I spend reading footy, whether whether this uh, computer program can just out-tip me. Um, maybe I'll have to turn to that to doing my tipping competitions for me. All right, we'll finish off here with a bit of Supercoach news. Um, very popular and we love it as well. So run through a few of the different positions and see some of the players that are getting selected in a lot of people's teams and a few players that we like in different positions. So we'll start off with the forward line where we have a uh, few rookies getting selected in most teams. Bailey Fritsch, however you say it, and Liam Ryan are both getting selected around about 40% of teams at the moment. Yeah, I think Fritsch is one that you have to select in your super coach teams. He's sort of been playing that sort of what was the Jack Watts or even the Hunt style uh, forward line role where we see him sort of link up and get a lot of points through that and be dangerous around the forward line. I really expect him to play most games and um, I think he's one that should feature. 
There's a few popular premiums going around at the moment too. Uh, Isaac Heaney, who I recently drafted into my draft team. Uh, I think he's primed for a big season. And another one is Christian Petrarca. Not currently in my team, but a very good pick, I think. Yeah, one that I drafted into my team, actually, as a matter of fact. So both players who are sort of earmarked to have um, have more midfield minutes, which I think is where you're going to see the jump. Um, on that side of things, I think that Petrarca might not see the exact midfield minutes that sort of reflect the percentage of teams that he's shown in, but he will definitely increase in his average, I think. Um, are there any sort of other uh, sort of middle price or expensive rookie options that you see in the forward line that you like? Yeah, so there's a late news today out of South Australia that Darcy Fogarty is going to be lining up round one, um, priced at about $150,000. I think we'll start to see him coming to a few teams uh, coming into the Thursday night lockout. Just an interesting thing that's also come through on Adelaide is that Brad Crouch might miss six to eight weeks. So there are um, there are options opening up in that Adelaide best 22 for these younger players to sort of keep their spot. So uh, watch this space on players like Fogarty. I will move on to the rock position. And I think no surprises to anyone that Max Gorn is uh, quite popular this season. Yeah, we see a lot of people running with the Gorn Ruck 2 and uh, Darcy Cameron Ruck 3 uh, combination. That's really popular. And it's interesting to see that still at this time, Nick Nat is the third most picked Ruckman in Supercoach. What do you think about that? I don't know what to think because um, I've found it very hard to find news on whether Nick Nat is healthy or how he's going in his recovery. It seems that the, the Eagles are sort of keeping their cards close to their chest on that one. I think just from, as you said, we don't have a lot of information. I expect he will line up round one. He will miss early games from being rested and he won't have the output that we assume, but he will still be a very, very good scorer. But um, as I said, I wouldn't be picking him in my team because I expect him to be rested here or there, um, especially when we get Vardy back fit into that West Coast team. And for premium rucks uh, to go alongside Gorn, who do you like if you're not going to pick Nick Nat? Uh, I've sort of chopped and changed my team at the moment. I think Patrick Ryder is sitting there. I think he's going to have a very good season, although would not be surprised to see me jump on in about half an hour and, and, and chop him for a bit more cash to splash elsewhere. But yeah, I've got Patrick Ryder at the moment. Yeah, I think Ryder's a really good tip for that midfield, uh, sorry, that ruck one score. My only concern with him is his, he has that really awkward buy where Gold Coast and Port Adelaide have their buy in a week where Supercoach doesn't um, allow you to have less players in your in your score like you do with all the other buyers. So you'll need sort of ruck cover for that week. Some people think the rider will score high enough that you can take a zero that week and it'll still be better than picking out the ruckman. Um, which side are you sort of on on that? I think you always need a bit of ruck cover and uh, there's a few options there, but I'm definitely tipping rider to, to have a very good season and, and score very highly. So that's why I've locked him in at the R1 position at the moment. We'll move on to the midfielders now, and for the premiums, um, Fife and Dusty are really the clear two most popular premiums, um, especially with Dangerfield's injury news dropping off from that top tier. Yeah, not surprising to see uh, those names up there. Obviously, Dustin Martin coming off an amazing season, and Nat Fife looking really good in the JLT preseason form, so no surprises there. Moving on to some of the most popular rookies, we've got uh, Andy Brayshaw from Fremantle, uh, Kelly from Geelong, and Holman from the Gold Coast. Um, are those three lining up in your side? I think I've got two or three at the moment. I think Kelly's found himself in and out, um, probably find himself in again at some point. Once teams are named, if he's there, he'll probably get a run. But uh, yeah, Nicholas Holman at, at 102,000, I think he's probably in most lineups. Another interesting one for the Cats there is um, Charlie Constable, which we've talked a lot about in this podcast um, set that we've put together obviously coming through the juniors who was very highly rated but 
all of his running at the combine was very low and people thought it would take a long time to build his tank but he's come into a late call up into those JLT games I think someone was injured and they slipped him in last minute to get 20 touches and 10 contested possessions or something in that first game and really impressed down to the Cats. I'll move on now to defenders where there's quite a few good options I think in the rookies uh, Sam Murray probably the standout um, in 53% of teams at the moment. Yeah, I still want to see him get named before I, I lock all these uh, defense rookies in, but he was really outstanding, probably really the clear number one that you need to have in your team um, down in defense. Um, Dede from Adelaide is probably the other one that has really good job security, and I think he'll score pretty well um, every single week. Uh, we have a couple of other um, premiums that we see in a lot of teams down there. Staying with Adelaide, we've got Rory Laird, as well as Hibbard from the Demons, who is appearing in a lot of teams. Are they sort of the premium options that you like at the moment? Yeah, there's a few. You could probably also add Elliot Yeo into that mix, but um, there's a few big names down there. I think Rory Laird's probably in every single team, to be honest. Uh, I don't really trust that statistic, 49%. He must be in close to 100. I think that all that's saying is we only have 49% of people who we need to compete with. The same with the Gorn numbers, where Gorn's not in 100% of teams. That just means 30% of the teams are useless to begin with. <laughs> I also see uh, I see Mason Cox, and I'm pretty sure um, some of the uh, Herald Sun writers have put out their their team. Scotty Gallum, I think, was one of them that had had Cox lining up at R2. Uh, do you like that, or is that a big no-no? That's bold move. I mean, he's obviously had that that impressive JLT game, and um, yeah, I always think it's very bold to take a risk on a, an R2. You know, it's very tempting to to save your money, you know, in that R2 position and splash it elsewhere, but. Ruck's a very important position where you really want some you know, some premium scorers coming in from the get-go, and I'm not sure that Mason Cox fills that role. No, I think that if you were desperate to get Mason Cox, you'd be running him as a, as a forward with your with your Ruck rookie being a forward Ruck, so you can swing him in for, say, the rider buy and stuff like that. But I really don't see him averaging enough to, to make it into your forward line, even at the bottom end. Um, any other strategies that you're running with the, at the moment? In my team, at least, I'm running a really shallow premium defense with uh, with just rookies everywhere. Cause I just really like the rookies that are sitting there in defense, and I don't really want any of the forward rookies. Don't see them making enough cash for me. Um, so that's sort of how I'm lining up with. Even I think at the moment I've only got two rookies and uh, and four on field defense rookies. Very bold. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit more of a traditional lineup. Uh, Pretty standard spread of, of premiums and rookies across most lines. And uh, yeah, just really don't have the stones at the moment to take a, a big risk like that. But who knows, you know, if it pays off, you could propel yourself into the top 5% of teams there quite early. And I think the other thing that's going to determine how well you do in Supercoach this year is how you sort of manage the Dangerfield situation at the moment. I don't have him in my team. Do you? Are you starting with Danger? Uh, chop, chopping and changing, you know, he's, he's been in, he's been out. I'm pretty sure at the moment he is out. Um, but you know, wouldn't be surprised if that changes even within the next half hour. The issue with Dangerfield is that everyone assumes that his price is going to drop, but just on previous years it hasn't. He's stayed around there, and when people are going for all these mid-priced um, midfielders, whether or not you can get someone to earn enough cash for you to jump up to Dangerfield when you want to do it, um, it might be very hard. So it's sort of interesting that Dangerfield's becoming a point of difference in some teams. Yeah, very tricky. It's um, you know, we we sort of had this issue a few years ago with Gary Ablett where. You know, every year he starts off $750,000 or something ridiculous and, and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'll get him cheap at some point. But it's not necessarily a guarantee that that will happen. And uh, if that is the case, teams that start with him will have a very big leg up on the competition. 
So we'll close off the show with just like a final brief talking point for the week. Obviously, round one's coming for the men's. We've been waiting for it for a while. Bill, is there anything you want to see in this round one? Are there any rules you want to see interpreted in one way or matches that you want to see go really close, players to break out? Is there anything that's sort of taking your fancy in this round one uh, lineup that you really want to see? What I'm pumped for this weekend is uh, just the Saturday lineup. So you've got your Saturday as a line supporter. You roll in to Icon Park around about midday watch the girls get the flag and then just jump across on the PT and, and head to watch the Lions play. So that's really what I'm looking forward to in this round one, just a, a Lions festival Saturday. Yeah, interesting. I think a few things I'm going to really be watching closely is I'm going to be watching Andy Brayshaw over at Fremantle. His JLT form has been amazing. I think it's a, a really in, insane thing from the bookies that he's like what eighth or ninth favorite for the rising star has been really impressive um and i'm also secretly hoping we get a we get a suspension in round one just so i can see the single man match review panel sort of take take on the the masses of fans and give out his verdict and we get to see how that's going to go and whether it's going to be better this year or not yeah definitely agree with you there very interested to see how that one man uh match review panel goes um one other player that I'm looking at, going to be looking at very closely this weekend, uh, mostly because he's in my Supercoach draft team, is Toby McLean. I think uh, preseason form, he seems primed for a big year. Um, I think he's a very underrated player, you know, really good player, tough in and under, good skills, and, you know, a bit underrated because of the whole, you know, throwing the head back, hair, flick of the hair, sort of trying to get those free kicks. Um, but, you know, the kid can really play some good football. I've, I've picked him pretty early in the draft league, and I'm, yeah, locking him in for a big game, hopefully, against the Giants this weekend. Well, if you're going to go for a dog's boy, I'm going to lock in a dog's boy of my own. It was a bit of a speculative pick for, for me at the time, but I'm going to lock Shane Biggs in. I really think that without the Robert Murphy and the boy down there in the back line, he's going to be the one they're going to look to to do a lot of that rebounds out of defense. And if he scores a, a ton in this first match, I'm, I'm going to go deep in this draft league. And if he scores 30, uh, I'm, I'm in a bit of trouble. So I'm locking him in, backing my boy in for a big game, Shane Biggs. All right, Toby McLean versus Shane Biggs. We'll come back next week and see who's uh, made the superior pick there. Fortunately, that's all we have time for this week. So uh, looking forward to a big round one of footy, and we'll see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast.